have to like try your best to think positively and know like okay it's for the best because you're going over for like eight months like what are you gonna do leave your dog behind like you can't you just have to put them through a day of like hardship and then it's worth it and like their dogs they recover fast and they love you no matter what you know what gets us through this crazy hockey journey is our amazing community of women inspired by our online network breaking the ice is a platform created to connect us even more as we share our stories, our passions, our tips, tricks, do's and don'ts for all things hockey, and so much more. For hockey expats, by hockey expats. So lace them up and tune in for a new episode every Wednesday. Hey, you guys, welcome back to Breaking the Ice. Today's episode is all about traveling with your pets. This is a really big group topic on our Facebook group. And, you know, rightfully so. Most of us do have pets. And when it comes time to actually traveling to Europe, maybe for the first time, or maybe it's your first time bringing your pet with you, there's a lot of questions. And I feel like the reason that we see so many people posting in the group about it so often is that every situation is so, so different. I've been traveling with my dog since they were puppies. So they're about a year apart and I've flown with both of them when they're about three or four months. To preface this, I do have anxiety. I am prescribed medication for that anxiety to take as needed. When I got a dog, it truly did help with my anxiety. Like they really are emotional support animals. And as hard as it is sometimes to deal with the travel end of bringing your pet to Europe, I can't imagine being over in Europe and not having them. They are an integral part of my day-to-day and I would be super lonely without them. So of course, as it all starts out, we had one pet and then we loved him so much that we got another one. Now we have two. (laughs) So I actually was able to get my doctor to write me a note for flying with my pet. And I'm gonna talk about just flying with one of them because that's a good place to start, I think. So if you're flying within the US, it is pretty easy to get a note for flying. And like I said, I'm not trying to give advice to people to do this, you know, out of code. So, If you do have anxiety or depression or if you truly feel like your dog helps with your mental health, then you should be able to get a note from your doctor. Every airline is super different. I've had different experiences with different airlines. So I would say that within the U.S., Southwest is super, super easy. All you really have to do is just have a note for your pet and... On their website, it has a list of everything that you need to have on that note, but it's pretty straightforward. And if you just print it out and show it to your doctor, then you should be golden. I actually don't even think you have to like reserve the seat in advance or anything for your pet. You really can just show up with them and fly with them. If you want to be safe, I would recommend doing that, but they are definitely one of the more laid back airlines with this kind of thing. Also with Southwest, they've always let me pre-board early and usually this results in me getting a seat in the front of the plane. A little bit more difficult airlines to fly on, um, I would say the most difficult would be United. They actually just recently changed their rules. Flying internationally with your dog is ESA, so definitely check that out. I think if it's more than eight hours, they do make some exceptions, but for some reason they 
they made that rule, which doesn't fully make sense to me, but it is what it is. But their paperwork is an absolute freaking nightmare. So you have to get the vet to fill out a form. You have to have your psychologist or doctor fill out a form. And then you have to have, I think there's one other form. It's like a consent form for you basically saying like, your pet's not going to go to the bathroom on the plane. It is a really big hassle to get all of that filled out. And I prefer not to fly on United when I can avoid that. Also, I would say the difference between Southwest and United is that Southwest is more flexible with the seating, whereas United is usually pre-selected seats. So sometimes they have issues trying to move you to have a little bit more space for your dog. And our dogs are pretty big. And so something that always typically gives me anxiety when flying with them is that I want to be able to make sure that they're comfortable and I also want to be comfortable because nobody wants to be on a super long flight with a dog, especially like if it's not your dog and you're sitting next to someone else and they're taking up the whole space and you don't have any leg room, it it makes you feel really awkward. But for the most part, I've had pretty smooth sailing experiences flying within the U.S., So when we went to Europe for the first time, and actually this past year for the second time, we basically had to do the same amount of paperwork. So I do have the website pulled up just to kind of refresh my memory, but you can head to aphis.usda.gov if you're flying to or from the U.S. and Europe. And you can figure out which country you're going to because every country has different regulations. Sweden and Austria were very similar. I'm pretty sure they actually were the exact same on what you had to do. So the first thing that you have to have is an international microchip. And I know that sometimes the newer microchips are international already. So I would just ask your vet if they already have one. And if not, you need to get one in. Um, It is a different kind of code that is identified in Europe. So super important. They have always scanned our dogs at the airport with this little machine thing. So you have to have that. The next thing is you have to have a rabies vaccination. And something that's kind of confusing that people are always not so sure about is there's something that says there's a 21-day waiting period after the primary vaccination. And sometimes it says 14 days as well. If you want to look at it as the instance of your pet has never had a rabies vaccination. So it's after the primary vaccination, they have to wait X amount of days. So if your dog had a rabies vaccination, but they've already had one, then you don't have to wait. That is just for going to Europe. This is without a pet passport. And then you also have to get a international health certificate filled out. So that international health certificate is different than a regular health certificate. It is not basic. It is very thorough. They're super specific. I think you even have to use like blue pen to fill it out, the vet. So it's, and it's a little bit confusing too, just because it does correspond with Europe's regulations. So some of it's not clear. So usually our vet takes a couple of days to fill it out just because they want to make sure that they're doing it properly so that you don't run into any issues. The first year that we went over to Europe, we actually had issues with the vet, not when we actually went to the airport, but our vet filled it out wrong like three or four times and it was very, very frustrating. So... 
just make sure that the vet has all of the information for that because oftentimes this is not something that they do on the regular, at least our vet, and now they're kind of used to it. But at the same time, you don't want to run into any issues down the road. So once you get that international health certificate filled out, you have to make an appointment at the USDA. So the United States Department of Agriculture. And I would even start researching this months before you travel because sometimes there's only one in the state that you live in. When we were in California last summer going to Austria, there's only two in California. So there's one in LA and there's one in Sacramento, I believe. And we were in San Diego. So so the morning of our flight, we had to leave the house at like 5 a.m. to make sure that we got into the USDA in time. And usually they have these crazy hours. So it's like they're open from 7 to 11 in the morning and then they're open like twice a week. So it's really crazy. I know that you can overnight the paperwork, but that also is stressful because since you have to get the international health certificate seven to 10 days before you're flying, you're risking that not being back in time depending on when you send it off. So say it's a Friday and you send it off, it's probably not going to get there till Monday and then who knows when it, they're going to send it back. I mean, hopefully it would get back by Wednesday, but you are definitely risking that the closer you get to your trip. So just look up where that office is because they have to endorse the international health certificate, which is super, super annoying, but it's literally just like a stamp on your paperwork. It's it's ridiculous. I think it is so unnecessary, but I think you know, if they didn't do that, people would be like faking the paperwork to get their pet overseas. So I do understand, but I also feel like they really do not make it easy to bring your pet over there. I really wish that just a normal vet could do this, um, but they can't. <laughs> so after two years of doing that and and honestly having to drive to LA the morning of our flight when I had less than like 10 hours to pack... I was like, we're not doing that again. Like, we have to get a pet passport because we kept hearing that when you had a pet a pet passport that you could, you didn't have to do the USDA. So you just skip that whole thing altogether. Also, the paperwork is primarily the most stressful part of all of this. So <laughs> when we went to Sweden, they literally did not even look at the paperwork at the airport. They were just like, oh, you have dogs. Okay, see ya. And I was like, no, like, just just look at the paperwork, please, because it was just such a nightmare to fill out. I was like, just look at it. But sometimes they do look at it and you want to make sure that it's accurate. And I feel like sometimes the people at the front desk of the airlines like to make it hard on you to get, you know, checked in for your flight. They're really detectives when it comes to this paperwork. It's like, I've been asked at the front desk, place if they've had their rabies and they want to look at it and then they want to look at it when I'm getting on the plane and then they want to look at it when I get off the plane. I'm like, how the heck do you think that we got on the plane in the first place? So sometimes they can be very, very just too much, um, but you definitely want to make sure you have all of that. We also make sure to always bring copies of their vaccinations. So we make sure we have the rabies, we make sure we have the distemper, all of that stuff just to have in case. And I always am like, here's this, here's this, here's this, here's this, here's the international health certificate. Here's, you know, whatever you need, whatever you have, give that to them. And that's that. So flying with two dogs, same deal. My husband has a note as well for his anxiety. And that's how we're able to fly with both of them. People look at us like we're a circus, but that's okay. Um, a little tip that I think I might do next time we travel is to 
order a vest for the dogs on Amazon. I mean, you can just even get like a basic vest that has no writing on it because it does make people, you know, not feel so inclined to touch the dogs. And I am all for people loving on my dogs, but I have to say, (laughs) I get so annoyed when I'm at the airport and everybody's asking if they can pet my dogs. Like, I seriously get asked 20 times, can I pet your dog? Can I pet your dog? Can I? And it's just emotionally exhausting getting over to Europe in the first place and then dealing with that. And also, you will get asked like 50 times how you're able to travel with dogs. And it's always super awkward because people just like, continue to question like how are you able to fly with them how are they able to go in the cabin how are they and I'm just like that we have notes from our doctors or you know they're emotional support animals and people are like oh well what does that mean and I'm like well that's really none of your business is it (laughs) just kidding but yeah I'm getting a little sassy because I just get very overwhelmed with random people talking to me all the time so If you do have your dog or cat, obviously, like, not that many people have dogs or cats at the airport, and so you're going to get stopped. You're going to get asked questions. So a vest would help if you don't want to deal with that. (laughs) I also sometimes just put my sunglasses and my headphones on, and I just ignore everybody because it's too much. Usually the flight attendants have been great on these flights. Um, They're always checking in on the dogs because most people really just love pets and they want to make sure they're comfortable. My favorite airline that I've flown so far to Europe is SAS, which is Scandinavian, and they were really great. They actually upgraded us um, to business class because we were in economy, which is what the team booked, and we had no space, and we were also sitting next to another person. And I think, you know, as much as I love pets too, like if I was sitting next to someone with two dogs on like a 12-hour flight, I would not be super excited just because our dogs, like I said, are big and they take up a lot of leg room. I mean, my legs often fall asleep. Like, I have to get up and walk around because I feel like I'm just crammed on this plane. So, we always try to see if we can book um, two seats, not the three-seat rows. So, when we look for flights from the team, like, usually they ask us which flight works for us. So we'll send them the flight and we'll send them which seats we want to sit in as well. And usually that goes over pretty well. And then if not, I will just try to go talk to the people that are checking in and just say like, you know, we have someone book these flights for us and we're sitting next to someone else. Is there any way that we can be moved? And it's not necessarily like I'm asking to be bumped to first class or something like that's not what I'm asking, but just like can we sit in the front row so we have a little bit more leg room? Because I also feel bad for my dogs. Like, they're dogs. They like to move around. And so to keep them crammed in, like, economy, I just, it's, I can't. I actually refuse to fly economy with my dog. And there's been times, like, when we flew to um, Austria last time, like, I sat in premium, premium economy and my husband sat in economy. He's, like, more laid back with that kind of thing. And I'm just like, no, I need the extra space. So, <laughs> It is what it is. Um, But after all of that, we decided that we didn't want to have to deal with the USDA anymore, which is that stamp on the International Health Certificate, because it was so stressful getting that every single year. Like, it just seems like this unnecessary extra steps. And it's also expensive. Like, Not the stamp, but I mean, when you go over to Europe for the first time and you don't have the international health certificate, the international microchip, the stamp, 
you have to pay for all that stuff, plus like the updated vaccinations you need, then times that by two for dogs. So we were just like, we need to stop doing that. And we heard that if you had a pet passport, that you didn't have to do the USDA, which is true. So you can only acquire pet passports within the EU. So when I was in Austria, I found a vet that I liked and he gave us pet passports. So the pet passport basically has something in there that says like the pet's healthy to fly. And he administered rabies vaccinations to our pets. So they were actually expiring, I think, in the next like six months anyway. So I was like, you know what, just go ahead and do it. So he gave them the rabies vaccinations and marked them in the little booklet. So the one deal with the rabies vaccinations is even if your rabies vaccination is up to date in the U.S., they cannot mark it in Europe. So if they don't mark it and they look at that, they're going to be like, well, this isn't legit because you don't have the rabies vaccination. So you have to get that rabies vaccination in Europe. Like I said, they will not mark that even if they have it, even if they don't need it for two years. So that's up to your own discretion if you want to get a rabies vaccination for them. Um, We just decided to do that because it is really insane trying to deal with all the paperwork back home. So I'm not exactly sure if we still need an international health certificate. And I guess I should be sure since I'm reporting all this to you. Um, But if you're listening, let me know and I will post it. But Our vet told us he didn't think that we needed it, but I might just do that just to have it, just to, just in case. And I'm also sure I will probably get all of their vaccinations, just a copy of it, and I just keep it in a folder. And I think, like, since they have the International Health Certificate, or sorry, I keep keep mixing up everything I'm saying. I think that if they have the International Pet Passport, they don't need an International Health Certificate. So I think that they would just need maybe a regular health certificate and it's much cheaper. So that's just been my experience so far traveling with dogs. It is pretty easy once you get there. So looking over some questions that people have asked, um, let's see, best seating situation, kind of went over that. Usually just go talk to the person. It's better to just try and have them decline, but we've never been declined for that. Usually they'll make something work for you. Um, You can just ask for the bulkhead seating and it's just a little bit of extra space. It's usually the front row. Um, Yeah, so that's that. Expenses to expect. If you do have an emotional support animal, you don't have to pay for that. Um, That would be probably a question for if you're traveling with your dog in cargo because I know that you definitely have to pay for that and it probably could get pretty pricey going overseas. People also ask if we give our dogs any medication when they fly. And I don't know what it is, but our dogs are really good travelers. And whenever we travel with them, people are always like, oh my gosh, they're so well trained. They're so good. Wow. And it's actually really funny because they're really hyper. (laughs) They're puppies. Like they're three, actually they're three and four now. So I mean, but they're big dogs. So they, they act like puppies. And normally they're so hype around people, but I don't know if it's just like the stimulation or what it is. But when we're at the airport, they're just like by our side. They're chill. They sleep most of the flight. Um, I know when I first went over there, I gave them Benadryl. That didn't really do much. Um, And then I also have gotten something 
like when we first went to Sweden, I got something prescribed from my vet that was just like something to calm them down. And I did give it to both of them, but I didn't really love it. I just felt like it made them kind of like woozy and I just didn't want them to feel like that, especially just like being on the plane, you know? So um, we just don't give them anything. We usually try to tire them out before. Like if you have an early morning flight, like that's hard. Um, you could still tire them out like two days before and then the night before your trip, just like throwing the ball or having them exercise or whatever that is, just so that they're tired the next day. They will be mentally tired just from all the travel, but if you can get them running around, going for walks, that kind of thing, that really helps out with their energy levels the next day. In terms of eating and drinking, so one of my dogs has this thing where he throws up if we don't feed him. And so he's on a really strict kind of timeline with eating. So we feed him at like eight, we feed him at 12, we feed him at five, and then we feed him right before we go to bed. So he gets kind of thrown off when we're flying actually. So, but we'll give him little like snacks. So we'll give him little handfuls of food. I definitely feed them both on the plane once. And that's usually like halfway in or so. I'll just give them like a little bit of food. And I do give them water. I do ask for ice cubes from the people at the front because, you know, it's not like they're drinking a ton of water. Like I just put a little bit of water in every now and then. We also bring diapers just in case for them. Dog diapers, you can get them at Petco, probably cheaper on Amazon. We haven't had any issues with that, thankfully, except when we got back here this summer and we were flying from Chicago to San Diego, my dog Deacon actually wound up getting diarrhea at the airport, like no joke, was about to squat in front of our gate. So my husband just took him and started running towards the towards the dog relief area. But of course he wouldn't go because like a million dogs have pooped and peed on that. So he refused to go. And then on the walk back, he just squatted down and went in the middle of the terminal. My husband was just like, oh my gosh, like didn't look at anyone, cleaned it up. Luckily he had paper towels. So if your dog's a little bit unpredictable with the poops and peas, I would just bring some paper towels. I would bring like a trash bag, like a little... um like a grocery bag, you know, that you can like wipe it if you need to. And if your dog can't hold its pee, put a diaper on them. This is just more for peace of mind for you. I know like Raina, my little dog or my smaller dog, she can't hold her pee as long. And so like I noticed she kind of starts to get uncomfortable sometimes at the end of these flights. So I will just like put a diaper on her because I'm like, if you have to go, like, it's okay, you know, and and you have this on and she won't go because she hates clothes. But yeah, it's more for peace of mind for you that they're just like not going to the bathroom on your flights. Also, when we flew Polish Air last time, they required us to have a muzzle for our dogs. So they did not make us put the muzzles on the dogs, but it was like just in case kind of thing, like a precaution. So we had those. Once again, you can order those from Amazon. And yeah, they were weird about the dogs like sitting on the seats, which I can understand. So you can always bring a little blanket or a towel and then usually they don't really care. But our dogs definitely think they're lap dogs, so they like to sit on us. And sometimes it's kind of nice to, like, switch off. Like, sometimes we'll put one dog on our lap so that, like, we can stretch our legs, um, that kind of thing. So far, we have had pretty good experiences. I would also say, this is something that we have not discussed yet, is that when you are flying to and from Europe, it is best to try to have a layover within the U.S. It just makes it a lot easier. 
Um, so when we did fly to Austria, we had a like four hour layover in Warsaw, Poland, like sorry, but not the best airport to have a layover in. They just had like no food. No one spoke English. So it was really hard to try to find a place for our dogs to go to the bathroom. But luckily when we got through customs, they were like, you guys can go outside and come back in. We're like, oh my gosh. So we wound up being able to take them out to go to the bathroom, but we were like, oh my gosh, like they have to go so bad. And it was just really confusing. Like all the signs, there was like no English translations or anything. So um, we had to figure that out. I would just say like, if you're flying from like LA, it's, you know, if you can have a layover in Chicago or New York and then, you know, have the second part of your leg to where you're going, that would be my recommendation. But sometimes it doesn't work that way when the team's booking your flights. Just always make sure that the team knows that you're coming with a dog. Don't just show up with your dog, let them know. And they might struggle with understanding what emotional support animals are. So if you have to say, you know, we're traveling with our dog, do you mind if we look for a flight and see if that works for you guys? And usually they will say yes. And sometimes they'll be really confused. Like I think both years they were like, okay, we need the paperwork for the dogs and we need this for the dogs. And we're like, guys, like we have it, we have everything handled with the dogs. Like we're good. Like this is just the flight that we need. And they'll, like, still ask us for the paperwork, so we'll just send it to them. But, like, they don't realize that they don't need it. Like, we handle everything ESA for the dogs. I know that there are some issues with flying to the UK. I've heard different things about that, so I think I'm going to have someone pop on to talk about that. Um, But, yeah, just, just really communicate with the team and tell them what your needs are. And it should be should be pretty straightforward. So you definitely can have a layover in Europe, but I would always, always check with the airline. Say we're flying with, you know, these dogs and we have a layover in Amsterdam or whatever it is. Is it okay if we have a layover and where we have the dogs? So every airline's different. And also, I just want to mention that if you do not have a pet passport and you are doing the paperwork route, um... There's also oftentimes airline paperwork as well. So just always, always check the airline. To start off our little segments here, I have Megan Schofield joining me. Megan and her husband finished the season in Linz, Austria, and they flew overseas with their golden retriever, Rosie, in cargo. I just recorded this kind of funny, but I had to re-record because I realized that I said Megan and her husband flew in cargo with Rosie and no, they did not fly under the plane. So I just redid it because I didn't want to cause any confusion that that was even an option. So she comes on and talks a little bit about how to ease your mind as well as your dogs, because I think that's a huge fear of everyone's is just putting your dog underneath the plane, what happens And it's totally doable. People do it all the time. So I hope this gives you a little bit of peace of mind. Megan, thank you so much for coming on and talking about your experience traveling with your pup in cargo. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here. (laughs) I am excited too. And I know that this is something that's just kind of a nerve-wracking thing thing for a lot of girls. Yeah. I just think this will be really informative to people and hopefully give everyone a little bit of peace of mind when this really is either like their only option or if, you know, like if you're traveling with a bunch of kids, you can't really 
fly with the dog in the ESA, once your family starts growing, and things right. like that. So I wanted to start off and just ask you, like, what is the pre-process like to set up your dog in cargo? So, like, what kind of paperwork would you need? Um, you know what? Starting out, like, this was my first time this past season was the first time that I had brought my dog over because we just got our dog last summer. She was a five-month-old puppy when we made the trip over. Um, and I was completely, like, overwhelmed reading like the expat Facebook page, like when you search all the different things. And I feel like it's so much to take in at once when you're like trying to pinpoint like, Hey, I'm going to that country and I'm doing in cargo or like I'm with this airline. You have to figure out what exactly like fits your situation. So that's going to be different, like from person to person, depending on like the type of dog you have, um, which airline you're going with, what country you're leaving from. Mm -hmm. um, but for me now, I feel like I've mastered like leaving Canada in cargo and cargo <laughs> is definitely overwhelming at first because it's just heartbreaking thinking about like putting your dog underneath and like possibly traumatizing them and not being there to console them through this like eight hour flight. Um, exactly. especially when like, like I had a puppy who I spend like 24 hours a day with like that entire <laughs> summer. And then I'm like, okay, I have to like go eight hours without you on this plane. I don't know what I'm going to do, but, um, yeah, so it's definitely stressful, but I feel like once you've done it once, it gives you a lot more confidence in for your future trips. Yeah, <laughs> so well, even first, like when we, sorry, what, no, sorry. I completely interrupted you, but what kind of dog do you have? I have a golden retriever okay <laughs> so at the time she wasn't very big like when we were flying over she was maybe only 45 pounds um but when we returned back to Canada she was 70 pounds so that like changed things a little bit had to get a different size crate um and just having a bigger dog like the airlines limit like the number of larger dogs on in the cargo as well which I'm sure we'll get into but the paperwork um like I said was kind of like daunting thinking about like what I need to get done but once I like went on my government website and figured it out it wasn't that bad um before that um just like leading up to the flight for us the the travel agent for the team actually booked her on through our airline so like I personally didn't have to do that I don't know exactly what information um, she had to provide, but all she asked me for was like the breed, her weight, and the dimensions of the crate. Because, like I said, they, they limit the number of dogs of a certain size, I think, in the cargo. And that was actually a problem on our way home because we booked our flight like within five days of leaving because of coronavirus. And yeah. <laughs> um, the airline called us two days before and we're like, um, Your dog doesn't have room on the flight. Like, there's another dog already booked in so like your dog isn't coming and we're like pardon what do you mean like, so what'd you do what are we supposed to do and we were literally on one of the last flights out of Vienna that was direct to Toronto so we were like I don't know what we'll do like I can't imagine doing multiple like layovers because we had only done the one flight direct from Toronto to Vienna before or sorry Toronto to Munich um so we were like well what are we gonna do are we just gonna stay behind and like wait this thing out but and ended up being the night before the flight. So we were supposed to fly to Vienna at like 10 a.m. And I'm on the phone with Air Canada at like 9 p.m. And like our apartment's packed up. Like we're ready to go. We're like, we're showing up at the airport no matter what. We're getting this dog on this flight because we are not sticking behind. And um, so we're on the, the phone the night before. And I guess the other person who had booked like the similar size dog crate as ours hadn't confirmed all the information like when they checked in online. So they were like, well, we'll just bump you ahead of them. So they're going to show up at the airport tomorrow and their dog's not going to get on. And I'm like, 
oh my God, like thankful that we got a spot for our dog. But then I'm thinking about these people who are getting careful. It could be another, it could be another hockey girl. (laughs) You're revealing your secret. (laughs) I hope not, but it was a nightmare. I felt like I was on, and everyone's trying to get through the airlines because everyone's trying to get back to Canada because they didn't want the borders to close and get stuck in Austria. And so like we were waiting on the phone for like two hours, like on hold, trying to get through. And we'd get like information from our travel agent that wasn't consistent with what Air Canada was emailing us and we were just like this is a disaster but that's different situation just because of coronavirus but um mm-hmm. yeah so I guess it's important to get a spot for your dog earlier on like you have to confirm with the airline that your dog is reserved with you on the flight um but again my travel agent did that for us and then the paperwork that we needed to do was specific to Canada so people flying out from the U.S. would need government paperwork that was specific to them um and the documents that I needed to have filled out by my vet um I just downloaded right from like the government uh, Canadian government website and we needed a bilingual version so it had to have English and then the language of whatever country you're arriving in so that the officials there could read it so for us, it was English and German. So there was two different forms for us. Um, one was just like an international health certificate for dogs. And then the other one was like a non-commercial movement of five or less dogs. Um, so my normal vet here in Canada filled it out. Um, it had to be printed on like specific paper, like legal paper mm-hmm. um, in blue pen from your vet. Um, and it just stated like key information about age, weight, um, their microchip chip number and then proof of rabies those were like the big things um and then from there you had to actually get those forms certified by a canadian food inspection agency veterinarian so you had to book an appointment with someone someone at one of those um, locations so that all had to be done within 10 days of departure and like i said like it was also stressful thinking about it but then once i actually went and did these things i was like oh that was easy like i was so stressed but then it was easy yeah totally Um, i feel like you just have to make like a list and yeah. just be like, okay, like just check each box down the list. And then once yeah. you're done, just know it's all yeah. good. But yeah. I think that is, might be kind of similar to what we have to get stamped here because right. we have to go to the USDA and have them stamp something, which is like seriously the biggest pain in the ass, which is why we actually wound up getting a pet passport. I don't know if you've heard of those, but we can talk about we- that later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because it makes your life so much easier just like going back and forth, I think. So you had to get the paperwork for the country and then right. did you have to do anything for the airlines since, since your dog was flying cargo? Um, no, like I said, they just asked my travel agent like dimensions of the crate and her age breed because specific breeds can't go on cargo because they can't breathe. But my dog did not fall into that category, so I didn't have to worry about that. But um, for the airline, each airline has specific requirements, but I didn't have to, I flew Lufthansa to Munich, and then on the way home, I flew Air Canada from Vienna to Toronto. And the only thing I had to do there was at check-in at the airport. They just had me fill out a sticker that went onto her crate, and it just said like her name, um, contact, phone number, and then the last time that she ate and the last time that she had water. So that's all that they wanted. And then they did, they quickly, like, I'm not even kidding. Like, they didn't even read the paperwork that I like stressed so much about getting completed oh, in no, time. That's happened they to just like too. quickly browsed over it. And I'm like, that's what I was so stressed. And that's <laughs> for, for this. Like, that was it. Yep. <laughs> I felt like I had to, like, and I'm like, okay, and see, here's like her microchip 
number and like there's her rabies vaccine she's like yeah it's fine like okay anyways like on to the next thing like give me your baggage I was like oh that that's it okay like they didn't even look inside the crate like when I was looking at all of the um flight regulations for like crates um and like having like the certain like they have to have like the metal screws or whatever and even having like some people do like the zip ties or whatever to keep the door closed like I thought that they would look more at that kind of stuff no they didn't look inside like no it was just so like, it felt so lax and I was so stressed leading up to it that I was like, okay, I needed to chill out a bit because maybe it's just like, I lucked out and had like easy flight attendants who like processed me in, but like they, I, it was easy for me. Yeah. Your, your husband could have been in there for all they knew. (laughs) Seriously. Like I could have been smuggling some stuff there. I could have like packed some extra like stuff from home that I needed (laughs) and they would have never known. Yeah. But so did you, you hear of like other people who have such a hard time and I'm like, okay, you have to be like diligent in case like you're one of those people that, you know, like a friend of mine from Lentz, her crate, she flew like Edmonton to Toronto, Toronto to Vienna and her crate got like tagged for like substances or something like they like, you know, when they like, when you go through security and they like analyze like certain things, if you get like beeped or something, like they did that to the crate and like something like random came up like that and they like had to go through the crate and she was like like what's going on like so some people have a hard time and I just feel I mean I've only had to do it twice so I'm by no means an expert I'm still a novice but for me it worked out pretty well but I mean yeah yeah. it's better to be safe than sorry and like get all your paperwork done perfectly and like make sure you follow all the rules just in case you have someone that's like a real stickler and is like gets mad at you and gives you a really hard time for sure and I feel like it really depends on just like who you get at the airport because we've had such an easy time and then we've also had like yeah times where I feel like they're kind of just like questioning us like we don't have everything I'm like we do have everything I can provide you copies of everything and like so it just depends and it's it's hard because you never really know like what to expect so with the dog in cargo how early do you have to get to the airport so I also stressed out about that a ton being like oh my god I need to get there like four hours early and like make sure she pees and poops before she gets on um but I didn't have to check her in I went up to the check-in counter and like dropped off my baggage and like got all the paperwork looked at. They looked at, um, they put the sticker on the crate or whatever. And then I was like, okay, well how long until I need to drop her off at oversize? And they were like, like an hour and a half before, like as long as, um, like the line to go through security didn't look long for me to get through. So I think I waited until like, obviously the absolute last possible time because I felt so sad leaving her. Um, but I think like an hour and 45 minutes before takeoff. So that gave me time to like get through security. And then I literally like sat down for five minutes and then had to board the plane. I didn't feel too guilty. Like knowing that she was just sitting there in a crate, like, like you never know, like how long they keep them like inside before they like have them on the tarmac and like waiting to load onto the plane. Uh So I felt good, like waiting as long as possible. And I like gave her a ton of treats and like took her outside to pee a couple of times, even though she wouldn't, because I think she was like stressed being at the airport. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, and then coming home from Vienna, like the guys told me like 45 minutes before the flight because the airport was so dead that there was no flights leaving and they didn't like, it wouldn't take much time for them to load her on. So mm-hmm. that was nice to only have to drop her off 45 minutes before. But normally, like, 
I get to the airport three hours early, no matter what, because you just never know, like, what lines are going to be like checking your baggage. And I always just would rather be safe than sorry. So we still got to the airport three hours before, but then we didn't end up like actually checking her in until like an hour and 45 before the flight. Yeah, definitely better to be safe than sorry, especially with an international flight. You just want everything to go so smooth. Do you have any insight about like where she goes once you bring her to oversized baggage? Like, like how are they careful with the cages? I mean, I'm, I would like to think that they are. Yeah. Just like, you never know. And I think that's part of the fear is just that, un- yeah. like, who's watching them? And then once they get yeah. to, like, a different country, it's like, who's watching them? How do you yeah. make sure that that's being someone effectively? That's taking care of your baby. <laughs> exactly. Um, so in Toronto, they wheeled her off with another, there was another girl there she wasn't like a hockey wife or anything she was flying somewhere domestically in Canada but it was her first time flying with her dog too and they they took them off together on like a trolley they're both their crates and the girl and I just stood there and cried together but I again like I think it's dependent on the person that you get like like are they an animal lover like are they like consider the fact that like your dog's gonna be in a crate for you know like 10 hours start to finish um but I think like when you drop them off close to the flight time like most of the time from it's just gonna be spent in transit getting them to like where the plane is um and then who's taking care of them like I hope to god that they lift them carefully like from the trolley carts like into the cargo but then like one of the best things that happened that like made me so happy was coming home to Toronto before I had even gone through customs. Like I had a call and a voicemail, like a missed call and a voicemail on my phone and I checked it and it's a man from like an airport worker being like, hi, Megan. Like, I just wanted to tell you, I'm looking at your dog right now. She's so pretty. She looks so happy. I gave her some water already. Don't worry about rushing. <laughs> like she's fine. Oh, good. Like, started crying. That's so nice. And just like, I was like, Oh my God, I can't breathe. Like, and we got to oversized baggage when we were picking her up and she was just sitting there so contently in her crate. And she had already, like, I had taped food to the top of her crate. The guy had already fed her. Like, he had already given her water. And he was, he came out afterwards and was like, oh, like, hi, like, your dog is so nice. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) You made my day. Um, And he was like, you can take her out for, like, a minute, but then you have to put her back in the crate, okay? (laughs) All right. (laughs) Um, But then when I, my first flight over to Munich, um, when I was nine months pregnant and traveling by myself, I waited for an hour after I'd gotten my bag. She still hadn't come out and she comes out on like a conveyor belt. And then like the man who's there at oversized baggage stares at me and doesn't say anything. And I'm like, you expecting me to lift like this dog in this crate off this <laughs> conveyor belt? Like, can you come help me please? And I was like, um, like, I was like, can you help me? And he was like looking at me like I had two heads. Um, and he just like pushed like helped just kind of like push her off the conveyor belt so that I could like lift her but this was her first flight she was shaking like uncontrollably like barking trying to get out of the crate because she was like I haven't seen you in 10 hours where have you been uh-huh. um and so I put she her on came out push carts and then had did she sorry came out on a conveyor belt like with the rest of the luggage no like it was the separate area like for oversized baggage but it was still a conveyor belt and I'm like she could easily topple over and that's what I'm thinking that's what I'm picturing in my mind like so much 
it was ridiculous. But like when I picked her up in Toronto, the crate was placed like on the ground and the man was like standing nearby. And I'm like, okay, that makes me feel better. I'm like, what if I wasn't there to collect her? They just like let her fall off the conveyor belt. Cause it wasn't like a round one that kept going. It was just like a straight one. So yeah. that really like rubbed me the wrong way. And again, I think it's like the people that you get and you never know what kind of people are going to be like handling your animals, but you just have to hope and pray for the best that they're going to be, you know, friendly animal lovers. Exactly. <laughs> but, so my experience in Munich was horrible, but my experience in Toronto was great. So you never know. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so like for cage requirements and stuff like that, is that all online? And like, how do you find yeah. the right cage? Do you order the cage online, like on Amazon or something? Or like, what did you do for that? I honestly went into our local pet store and brought my dog with me to like try them out to see like what size would be best because we like measured her and stuff, but we still just wanted to see what would be good for her, like physically putting her inside and seeing if she was able to get up and move around in there because that is one of the requirements. I'm not sure the exact like measurements, but they have to be able to stand and turn around if I'm, okay. I'm correct, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, no, I think that's right. <laughs> um, but in terms of that, I think it's like IFTA. There's like some international flight travel agency. I don't know if that's what it is. Something like that. Um, that is like the governing body for those requirements that all airlines have to like abide by. Um, but again, confirm with your airline because that's like, I can, like there was a, a PDF document that I downloaded from Lufthansa that like walked me through the requirements. So, um, and in terms of like what I put inside of it, um, I put a pee pad in the bottom because I assumed she was five months old that she was going to pee everywhere. And I mean, it's a long time for her to go without peeing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I put a towel on top of that. Um, and then I put in like a t-shirt that I had worn the day before. So it smelled like me in there as well, just to give her like something to calm her, hopefully. Um, but I didn't do any toys or anything like that because I had read things about like how <clears throat> um toys can be like hazardous if they like are stressed and like they could like choke or something like that or like eat the toy and um just based on the circumstance like no one's there to like help them right so we didn't give her any toys we took her collar off and that was it and then the bowls sorry that attached to the door um from the inside so that someone could give them water or food from the outside without open the crate door and I actually read I don't know if it was on the expat Facebook page but I froze her water dish the night before full of water um, and brought it to the airport in like a lunch bag <laughs> and then so it stayed frozen and then it would slowly melt over the course of the flight so that you know spilling everywhere and that it would kind of like ration her throughout the flight I don't know if it actually worked but both times when I got her at the end of the flight the water dish was empty so it either spilled everywhere yeah and she didn't drink it or she did drink it all or it was a success yeah yeah I also bring like my own refillable water bottle so that I can fill it up um, before I get to her in excess baggage and can give her water right away. Um, So you don't have to like go and buy one as soon as you like land because you're already like stressed enough. You just want to rush and get to your dog. So if you already have like a water bottle that you can fill, um, you can either get like a flight attendant to fill it up for you or just like use, run into the bathroom before you go through security or go through customs and also pack make sure you pack their leash and their collar in your carry-on with you after you've checked them in with their crate. Um, so you can get that stuff all ready as soon as you um, claim them from oversized baggage and also bring like, I brought poop bags because there's are things that you're not like thinking about right away but like as soon as you get outside they're gonna need to go poo and mm-hmm. you might not have anything 
Um, I also brought like an extra towel in my bag with me too, because I didn't know like if she would be like covered in pee or anything like that. And the first time there she was. So thankfully I had that because you never know, like, is someone from the team picking you up? Like who's picking you up from the airport? <laughs> Luckily, like it was my husband yeah. because he flew out a couple days before me. So he was able to like come and bring food and bring water and bring all the things that we'd need. But like, if you're getting someone that the team has like paid for to come pick you up, like if they're in like, um, one of the team's vans or something like that, you're going to feel bad if like you're bringing your dog in the car covered in their own pee. Yeah. <laughs> so bringing like just like a small towel or something like that, I thought was helpful. Yeah. And then obviously treats. Like I feel like I gave her probably like three bags worth of treats <laughs> in 24 hours. Yeah. Well, those are all really good ideas. And I think like, you know, those are things also that some people would not think of. I was like, I need to just do as much as I can to like ease my own mind because I'm going to be sitting on that flight by myself for eight hours thinking about like, like how, <laughs> like how sad you must be down there by yourself. But then I think like, okay, there's other dogs down there too. Like they're probably all talking to each other. <laughs> they're all in the same boat. <laughs> what are some things that you do that can help with your anxiety? Cause I think that's the big thing. The dog, yeah, they will be okay. <laughs> like they might be anxious yeah. and like that's I think is what makes people the most anxious is thinking about their dogs being scared down there and being alone. Yeah. But I feel like you could really make yourself sick if you're thinking about it nonstop on the flight. Uh, yeah. I like personally can't read the horror stories that I see online of like things that have gone wrong with dogs um, flying because it just makes me even more anxious. And I'm like, no, like I need to do this to keep our family together to go over for the hockey season. Like it just has to be done. Um, so I don't read any of that kind of negative stuff <laughs> because it just breaks my heart. But mm -hmm. I would say wine is usually a good tactic. <laughs> Having a couple glasses of wine on the flight. But in my case, I was like nine months pregnant. I'm like, I literally can't do anything right now. It's <laughs> my mind. Like I'm just sitting here <laughs> panicking. I was like sweating because it was August and <laughs> I was so stressed. And like I said, I had a bad experience on the flight to Munich. And it, I think it was just, I lucked out and, or didn't luck out. I had bad flight attendants that were just like, totally brushing me off being like you just need to go sit down when I asked if like did my dog get on the flight okay like I just need to know like is she on board about it? oh my god they totally brushed me off and I wouldn't even say brushed me off they were so rude they were like it's in your best interest that you go sit down now and they like closed the curtain in my face <laughs> you are and I was me. literally sitting there crying like like I'm so oh hormonal because I'm so pregnant I'm like I'm gonna like put myself into labor on this flight like did my dang dog get on this plane please just confirm they come up to me two hours into the flight being like just want to let you know she's on and I'm like well that doesn't change anything now I'm already like a quarter of the way to Munich like what am I supposed to do if she didn't get on the flight like thanks yeah but um, wow That's, that then, is really way, unfortunate yeah. So that was just my bad first experience. But then coming home, like the pilot came on overhead being like, we've had some questions about dogs getting on the flight. Just wanted to let you know, they're all good. Everyone's looking happy. <laughs> so that was awesome. Um, but so I don't know, like maybe Air Canada was really good. Lufthansa wasn't, but then I see so many people write great things about Lufthansa. So I think it's just like your luck of the draw. Are you going to get nice flight attendants and people that are handling your dogs or it's like, it's a gamble, mm -hmm. which is unfortunate. Mm -hmm. I've seen people post on the, on the Facebook group saying things like, 
um, that people have checked in with them throughout the duration of their flight, letting them know like their dog was doing okay and things like that. And I don't know if you had that experience, but I'm curious like how they do that or how they know that. Yeah. I'm curious about that too, because from what I understood, it's purely cargo under there. Like I don't, I didn't think that there were humans under there. Yeah. Like I know it's temperature, <laughs> temperature and like pressure controlled, but I didn't, I, it was never under my understanding that there were people down there because if there were, I, I would obviously feel great, but maybe like <laughs> these flight attendants are lying and just saying that to like ease your mind. But yeah, which does, help. I just think you have to think like, okay, after like 10, you're doing like an eight to 10 hour flight your, your long haul flight from wherever you're coming from. At some point, your dog's probably just sleeping. Like you just have to think like, they're probably just having a really good nap. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That's how I use my mind. I'm like, she's probably having a great sleep right now. Yeah. And that was my other question. So it is temperature. I mean, it has to be temperature regulated for those long yeah. flights. Like there's just no way they would allow. Yeah, so it would be freezing up there. Yeah. <laughs> or, or super hot if you're flying in the, right. in the summertime. Right. Yeah. That's another one of my tips is if you can get like the latest departure time that you can from your airport, especially if you're leaving in July or August, because like even at five o'clock at night, like it's super hot, like on the tarmac, if they're just sitting out there waiting to load them on, like it's really hot. So my flight to Munich, I think was at eight o'clock at night. So that made me feel better too, knowing she's not going to be like overheating, waiting to get onto the plane. Mm-hmm. Um, so if possible, like if you have control on booking your flights. I know some teams just do it for you, but I was able, I booked my own flight. Um, so yeah, that's my other piece of advice on that. That's a good idea for sure. Yeah. Yeah. We, we actually looked into our dogs flying cargo when we first went overseas for the first time. Um, but for some reason, and I don't know if it was just the airline or what, but they said that we couldn't put our dogs in the same cage and our dogs are little lovers. They're little best friends. And I'm like, we can't put them under there just separated, like staring at each other mm. from other sides of the cargo thing. You know, it's like <laughs> they have to be together. So, but I'm sure at some point, you know, thinking like as our family grows over the next five or six years, like either someone's going to have to come out and help us fly back with kids and dogs, or oh God, they're yes. going <laughs> to have to go in cargo at some point. You know what yeah. I mean? Because it's like, yeah. there's only so much you can handle mentally you only have four hands between the two between you and your husband yeah exactly yeah add in a couple kids and like it just becomes a whole other nightmare like we said that too even like when we were possibly getting stuck in Austria we're like can we ship her home in cargo because you're allowed to ship it's non-commercial if you ship them within five days of your ticket so we're like can we just ship her on like a different plane if she can't get on this one with us and at the time no because they were literally like shutting down the borders they were like no but I think that's an option as well if it's within five days of your departure that you could ship your dogs there earlier but one thing that like my husband and I have said is that I don't think we're ever going to travel together again so I've never gone over with him at the start of the season I always wait till usually like September this year waited till (laughs) three days after him when I decided last minute it was a good idea to have our baby not in Canada and had it in Lens instead (laughs) but um I think it's so much easier if like like your husband gets there before you and can kind of like set up everything before you get there because I don't know like about you but I feel like every year the team books my husband's flights on a Saturday so you arrive on the Sunday and in Europe everything is closed on the Sunday so like if you're showing up there you don't dog food you like, if you're going to a new team, like you don't know what your apartment situation is going to be like. You don't know what kind of stuff you're going to have for your dog or for you or for your kids. 
So my husband and I have just said like from here on out, he'll go before me and I'll even come like a week after and it gives him time to like get his bearings and get organized before the rest of us come over. Yeah. Um, Would your husband fly with your dog? Yeah, that's also an option too. You know what I mean? Because um, if you know other break girls, it up, like yeah, <laughs> divide and conquer. I yeah, take, I take our daughter and you take our dog. Yeah, yeah. I, I should suggest that so that it's not all me because <laughs> yeah. I I told him I'm like after me flying like nine months pregnant with our puppy for the first time I was like you owe me you owe me big time <laughs> seriously so and I think people think start doing that people think too like oh but they have practice and they have games and like how would they be able to watch the dogs but there and I'll actually look this up as well but there is a website that I got from a couple of other hockey girls and they um it's kind of like Rover in the US I don't know if they have that in Canada but basically it's the same thing where you just type in like your zip code and then um it shows you different dog sitters you post a job people respond to it and we've actually left for like the breaks and stuff and we've left like the dog sitter will come to our apartment and just stay there for like four or five days which I'm always wow. like super anxious about because you know it's like your dog and you know how they are and like all of that's and like their mannerisms and stuff so and with the language like, barrier it can feel a little bit like stressful but we've had really good experiences with that so just like maybe in the future if you want to send your yeah. dog with your husband and just yeah. like you know maybe like find some people like you could do that that look good and then have your husband meet them and see yeah well we boarded her we went away for a break like I think or we went away for Christmas because we had like two nights so we went um to like a ski area um and we boarded her with it was a lady who had seven of her own dogs so it was at her house and like it was amazing like she sent me pictures like every two hours being like here's what Rosie's doing now like you want to see what she's doing I was like she literally sent me like hundreds of pictures over the two days I was like okay I get it like she's having so much fun that's amazing but yeah like (laughs) And you know what, as I'm sure you've experienced, like, Europe love dogs. They treat them so much better, I find, than they do in North America. Like, they're allowed to come everywhere with you. Um, so there's definitely, like, opportunity to find people who, like, love dogs. And if you're going back to a team that you've played on before, like, I don't know, like, what it was like in Graz, but in Linz, like, we had probably, like, five or six people with dogs that I would mm-hmm. be comfortable, that I was comfortable asking to help out with when I had my daughter and I was in the hospital for four days. So they were would like come and let her out while like my husband and I were at the hospital and so yeah you can always find someone that'll like be willing to lend a helpful hand <laughs> I know that's always something I think about I'm like oh my gosh like what yeah, if I go and think about that <laughs> yeah I'm like what if I go into labor and like I've said that to my husband I'm like oh what if I go into labor like the middle of the night with the dogs and like yeah. they're in the apartment and they're freaking out barking like what do we do and yeah I just feel like you have to have people on call in that situation and just for all situations because I we you know we are all in this together and I've just found that yeah. people are usually nothing but but helpful and I don't know about your living situation in Graz but like in Linz we had maybe 15 people from the team live in our apartment building so like yep. even if it wasn't a person who had a dog it would just be like one of the guys coming over to let her out and feed her or take her for a walk or something like that so yeah it's nice to have like such a good community that's willing to help totally 100 percent um yeah and it's funny too that you say like she sent you so many pictures because I feel like such a creep <laughs> when I have dog sitters in Austria I'm like how are they doing like can you send me a photo and they're probably just like oh my god this girl's like obsessed with her dogs like mm-hmm. she- but like they're they're first babies like, yeah. yeah like 
if unless you're like a dog person like if you know you know but yeah. <laughs> like, they're sleeping photo opportunity they're yeah photo opportunity. Exactly. <laughs> like I honestly when we would leave the house once we got to Lynn's like before my daughter was born we'd set up the baby monitor and like watch her when we left her at home because we were like what are you doing when we're not there we need to see so yeah. like I would do that if someone was watching her I'd be like I need to make sure you're like petting her enough and like giving her belly rubs <laughs> yeah and that actually just gave me an idea I wonder if you could put like a camera in the cage when you go cargo yeah, I don't think you can do that because I saw it when I was like preparing to fly. I saw like a YouTube video of a guy who did it and I think he like got caught or something because like you're not supposed to have anything in there like that because I guess you could possibly like see something you shouldn't see or I don't know, some kind of like security oh, risk. I that sounds sketchy. <laughs> right? I'm like, okay, well, if it's not able to be recorded, then there must be something there I don't want to see. So, yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing, you kind of just like what you don't know doesn't hurt you. So you just have to like try your best to think positively and know like, okay it's for the best because you're going over for like eight months like what are you gonna do leave your dog behind like you can't you just have to put them through a day of like hardship and then it's worth it and like their dogs they recover fast and they love you no matter what you know so yeah that's so true that's such a good point um I feel like we covered most of people's questions throughout this conversation yeah. but there was two more that I wanted to talk about. Um, yeah. The first one was like, what expenses to expect? Did the team mm. cover that or did you guys have to do that? Oh no. Well, I mean, some people in their contracts get like a baggage allowance. So I mean, if you wanted to include that as part of your baggage, but I mean like we're bringing over a couple hockey bags and suitcases. So like that budget allowance is already gone. <laughs> yeah. Um, the cost for um, her to fly to Munich through left hands, I think it was 510 Canadian. I don't know what that is in the US, like 300 something. No, I don't know how to do that. I think it's more than Canadian. Are... You know, I yeah. don't even yeah. ask your dollars, <laughs> your dollars worth more than ours. Yeah. So it would be like less. Okay. Um, so 510 and then like the paperwork from my vet, my vet had never done paperwork like this before. So that kind of like stressed me out because he was like, I don't know what I'm doing here. I've never done this before. So he charged me like a hundred dollars just to fill out the paperwork. Whereas I'm sure if you had a vet that like had done it before and was confident in it, they'd be like, this is free. Don't worry about it. Cause it wouldn't take them long. I was even like, I'll fill it out. Can you just sign it? But he was like, no, 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 no. Like I'll figure it out. I'll do it. And he charged me a hundred dollars for it. So that sucked. And then, so that was like the preliminary, the first round of paperwork and then when it had to get like authenticated by the Canadian Food Inspection Agency that was like $20 which was nothing um, to get like stamped and signed off by another vet and then so 510 plus 100 so about like 650 but then on our way home the um, flight attendant from Air Canada didn't even charge us so we like didn't have to pay anything so that's amazing I, I yeah and I, I think it's because of the circumstance like it was everyone trying to rush home and get back to Canada with coronavirus but I took it as a blessing I was like thank god yeah but yeah I so, feel like you just have to eat it and it's like the team is probably not going to pay that because it is like a preference to have your dog there you know it's not right. like hockey yeah, equipment where like, they're like we'll cover that because yeah. you have to have that you know what I mean or like your child or something like, exactly hey, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah is your dog mandatory um yes yeah she must come. <laughs> one thousand percent I could not get through the hockey season without my dogs I would literally yeah. go crazy um yeah. and okay sorry, do you have do you have golden doodles sorry I know we're like up for time now but I just know like I've seen totally your, dog, your dogs 
Um, yes, I have two golden doodles and they are both younger as well. Um, when we first traveled with them, they were like one and two, I think. And now they're okay. four and three, but I've okay. flown with them since they were like puppies also. Um, so they're experts now. <laughs> yeah. And now my husband's like, well, we need a, um, emotional support animal for every member of our family. So now like, since we're having a baby, like we have to get another dog. I'm like, oh yeah. And you're <laughs> Okay, let's just bring three dogs. Like, we're already look, gonna look like we're in a freaking circus when we come back oh from my Austin. gosh, yeah. Like, it's gonna be so embarrassing, but... <laughs> I can't even imagine, like, as much as it's hard to put your dog into cargo, at the same time, I thought, like, oh my god, how is she gonna be on the... If she was an ESA, and if she was, like, in flight with me at, like, my feet, she would be, like... I feel like she would be bouncing off the walls trying to go, like, say hi to everyone. Like, I don't know. Like kudos to you to be able to have two dogs up there. <laughs> well, you'd be surprised because a lot of times they actually do better because it's like they're in a confined space. Like right. they kind of pick up on your energy and body language and like, yeah. So I feel like they're usually really, really good on the plane. And then like, I get okay. so annoyed when people walk by and they're like, hi puppy. Like when they're sleeping, I'm like, really? No. Like, it's how annoying are you? <laughs> Yeah, and I'm always just, like, not very, like, it's not that I'm rude, but I'm just, like, not super friendly when people do that, because I'm, like, that's just, like, not cool. Like, you can clearly see that we have two dogs, they're sleeping, they're calm, like, don't come over and start, like, petting them, because then they're, like, trying to stand up and get in the aisle, and then I'm just, like, come over here, like, come here, like, yeah, you know, I'm just kind of, like, ignoring the person, but, of course, you get people doing that all the time, because, you know, all dogs are just so cute, and everybody just, like, not common that they're on the plane so people just want to like love on them yeah, especially if they're like an ESA do they have to wear like a vest they don't like, and that's support animal oh they don't but um that was actually like one of my tips that I might do in the future is yeah. get a vest because I'm, I'm working don't bother me yeah exactly <laughs> like I really need to help these these people right now yeah they're so, so. stressed <laughs> <laughs> but like yeah it's just I don't know it's like I'm all for people loving on my dogs like I I'm yeah. obsessed with my dogs I love yeah. people that love them as well but it's like when you get asked 30 times at the airport oh can God, I pet yeah. your dog how do you yeah. travel with your dog how are they able to fly on the plane they don't <laughs> have any podcast <laughs> yeah I'm podcast. like here you go <laughs> give me your phone <laughs> but yeah it's just like I get like just kind of like I'm an anxious traveler and so just like I get really flustered when like random people are talking to me like especially yeah. for an international flight so like I for sure think I'm going to get them best because I don't want to deal with yeah. that I also yeah. will just like put my sunglasses on yeah and put my headphones in and just be, like say goodnight don't talk to me. <laughs> yeah so well, I'm like excited for you to have to do this on the way back now and you're gonna have like a big bump in the way now too <laughs> I know I'll definitely be keeping you posted on that you're gonna need to like upgrade your flight for sure can you sorry this is I can probably listen to this in the podcast but like if you have an ESA can you upgrade to like first class like business class or premium economy so I have turned into like a snob now and I <laughs> I like insist to fly premium economy like I just yeah. can't fly economy because my dog is like 65 pounds and I'm so oh, yeah. uncomfortable no. yeah. flying with him in economy and we have no. two and my husband's always like well if we have our own row it's fine and I'm like no Charlie it's not fine because like they are <laughs> smushed like there's no yeah. leg room yeah. and so they can't even like really like be next like so anyway but we've flown um where I've been in premium premium and my husband's been in economy because like back with the peasants in economy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, 
I'm, I'm, I'm really not trying to be a brat about it, but it's just like my comfort to me is so important on like that long of a flight. And I will just complain the whole time if I'm not comfortable. And I think once you've done it, it's really hard to go back. Exactly. <laughs> Don't make me go back, please. My I husband's won business class multiple times. Like he bids on the flights when it's like time to check in or whatever. Yeah. Whenever they send you that email being like, you want to bid on your flight? And he always gets it. And I've never gotten it. And I've always flown economy. Oh and even gosh. when I was nine months pregnant, I up- upgraded. I did like $75 to get like extra leg room. Yeah. And it was like, it did not matter because I was massive. Like I needed three seats for myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's funny. My parents flew overseas. Well, my dad's went overseas, but my mom, it was like her first time and they were in premium economy, but my dad said he like went back for like, cause they have, you know, you have to use like the economy bathroom if you're in premium yeah. economy, like you like, can't yeah. use the first class. And he said, even from that little switch of premium economy to economy, he was like, Oh my god, it was just like it just looked like a complete <laughs> the like, way they treat them back there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's like, it's just like sardines, like dit, 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 dit. like just no. everybody's just crammed on the plane. And so I don't know. My philosophy too is like you can try to get upgraded at the airport if you're just really nice to the person and like we've also had experiences where like the team will book us in like a three-seater row and I've specifically said like we need to have like these two seats on the left side and like the bulkhead yeah. seating. Yeah. And I'll just go up and be like, hi, like our dogs are, you know, ESA and there's someone sitting next to us. And I'm going to be honest, if I was on this flight and I love dogs, I would not be happy about that. And yeah. I basically just explain, like, can you move us or bump us? And we've gotten pretty lucky. Like we got bumped to business one time, which was oh my amazing. Gosh. Yeah. I long so, for the day. I'm like, I, before my husband retires, I need to find this class once. Oh, and like, this might be the gosh. year because like, my daughter, whenever we go back, she'll probably be a year. So uh, she'll be a year old. So I'm going to need the space. Yeah, for sure. <sighs> you can definitely try and try bidding too, you know, because yeah. you could probably get a good deal that way. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Anyways, that probably just made me sound like the biggest brat ever, but um, you no, know, you got to do what like, you do. <laughs> I tell my husband that he's like, now he's like a flight snob too. So you know what? I'm just jealous. Anyone yeah. who thinks you're a snob is just jealous that you've gotten to fly that every time. But yeah. I used to be like, before my husband and I were married, like I, I would be like booking my own flights because I was just like a girlfriend and I'd do like the cheapest one possible with like as many layovers as it took to like save any money. And now I'm like, no, I will only fly direct. I'm never taking a layover. Like never doing layover ever again. I know. <laughs> so. It makes it so much harder. And I, and I will like, I always fly economy if I'm flying within the States, like 100%. Yeah. They're just like, even with my dogs, because usually they'll give us bulkhead. But um, yeah, if it's an overseas flight, I just can't. <laughs> I'm like, I'm done. I'm not doing I just can't. Either. I can't do it. No. <laughs> can't even, literally. No. <laughs> um, There's some things that like, you just, when you've done this flight, like I've done like 18 times now, probably in the last like six years. Cause I always come back to Canada during the season at some point. I've done this flight so many times. I'm like, Oh my God, I don't know how many more times I can do this. Like, <laughs> I know every time it's like, wow, I'm like, I can't do that again ever. <laughs> and then I feel like you really you, like notice how much older you're getting when you're like, Oh my God, my back killed after that one. Like before yeah. I could sleep no matter what on the overnight flight. Now I'm like, Oh my God, I got like one minute of sleep. Like it was awful. Like, oh God, I, I really am like acting my age now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I totally know what you mean. I I'm lucky if I can get like two hours of sleep on on uh planes it's so hard for me to relax 
Yeah. Well, especially with the dogs right there. I feel like I would be like, move it. You're in my way. Yeah. I, I wake up. They're like in the front of the plane. I'm just like, yeah. oh, sorry. My bad. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, if anyone has questions, where can they reach you? I guess through IG. Instagram. Yeah. My IG. Um, it's Megan.Schofield. Is that it? Yeah. I had to check. That's what it is. Um, like I said, I'm a novice and I'm sure there's people out there that have done this way many, way more times than I, but I've had some good and some bad experiences. So yeah, if you have any questions, slide into my DMs. <laughs> yeah, perfect. <laughs> you guys I now have Emily joining me on the pod to talk about flying with your dog into the UK so actually this past season was her first time doing that and I'm gonna kind of hand the floor over to her and she's just gonna talk about the different steps that she took and the process it is to get into that country so thank you for coming on today yeah thanks for having me um so my my name is Emily, um, and this was my first time bringing my dog into the UK. Uh, previous to that, I brought her into um, Austria and Sweden for a number of years. Um, and truthfully, it wasn't as bad as what I, um, or what people kind of made it out to be. It's a couple more steps. Um, it's, like I said, it's, it's not such a problem. Um, so I want to try and go through some of these steps to see, you know, if I can maybe like help anybody um, who's flying their dog over to the UK. Yeah, and if anyone ever has questions, you can always personal message me too, and I can try and help you out. Um, so I did take my ESA, my dog, on the flight with me into the UK. So basically, the first thing that I did that anyone will have to do bringing their dog over to uh, Europe, the UK, whatever, is to fill out your health certificate. Um, and that's obviously dependent on what country you're going into. And this is whether you're going to bring an ESA on the flight with you or, you know, drop your car, uh, excuse me, your dog in cargo. Um, everyone has to fill out a health certificate. So I immediately went to my local vet, had them fill out that paperwork. Um, and sorry and, to interrupt you, but where are where did you fly in from? Are you from uh, the U.S. or Canada? Yeah, so I'm from um, the U.S. We live in Minnesota, so I flew from Minneapolis, had a connection in Washington, then took Washington into the U.K., um, London Heathrow specifically. Okay, perfect. And so, yeah, so it might be a little bit different. So this is all stuff you kind of got to do your research on. Um, it might be a little bit different if someone needs to fly into a different airport in the UK. Um, I'll explain a little bit of this later too. Um, but yeah, the, the city of London, um, the website has all this information. Like I said, I'll kind of explain that when we get, when we dive a little bit deeper into this. Um, awesome. So I went to the vet, had my local vet, had them fill out the health certificate. Now, you know, there's a certain window where you only have 10 days to send your paperwork into either APHIS in the U.S. or it's like the Canadian, what is it, the Canadian Food and Drug Administration or something, the CFIA, that's what it's called. Um, so you have this 10-day window. So what I did is when I went to the vet, I had him fill out my health certificate, but I left out um, dates that he did it. So basically he filled it out and he did not write any dates in it as of right now, because 
when you when you want to get your ESA into the UK, you have to get pre-approved. So you're going to have to send this health certificate in as early as you can so they can look it over. They understand there's not going to be dates on it, um, but they need to know that your dog is sufficient to fly. So go to your vet, get that filled out, leave out dates. Um, so that's all done and taken care of. So then my next step is you have to purchase your plane ticket before you can submit your paperwork to um, the city of London. Um, the, now it sounds risky because you could get, you know, you could say yes, you're approved, no, you're not, but this is just, unfortunately, this is a rule that they have that they need your um, flight number, your arrival date, all this information um, to get your a, like a pre-approval letter before you fly in with your ESA. So I had to purchase my plane ticket. So your best bet, like I said, listen, you know, listen to everything like that I've done, but you need to kind of like cross-reference it with this city of London website. So this is going to give you all the information. Maybe somehow we can like tag a link, um, you know, yeah, through the podcast or something. Notes. Yeah. Yes, that that would be great. Um, cause that's gonna help out a lot. So, um, and for so the health certificate, certificate, is that that's yep. an international health certificate, right? And then you send that off to the USDA, just like you would with any other country like Austria, Sweden. Yep. So that's the one that you're gonna later on send off to yes, the USDA, and that health certificate is um specific to the UK. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So health certificate, plane ticket, then you're going to email um, London Heathrow, or excuse me, um, let me see, you actually email, so you email this Heathrow Animal Reception Center. So this link is also provided on the website, on the City of London website. So you're going to email them, they ask for a couple things, flight number, um, confirmation number, dog name, breed, blah 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 blah. list goes on it's all right there for you you put all this stuff in your email plus your health certificate that you got through your local vet without those dates attached to it um so you're gonna send that send that off to them in an email what they're gonna do is they're gonna email you back and say um you know fingers crossed yes you passed you can bring your esa into um the uk so then once you get that confirmation email before they send you, I don't know, the, like the certified copy of this pre-approval letter, you have to pay a fee. So this fee um, is because ESAs are classified as an unrecognized assistance animal, according to the UK government. Now, if you had an actual service animal, you wouldn't have to pay. But considering it's um, an ESA, it's unrecognized, they're going to charge you 390 pounds, which is nothing compared to what I've heard people having to pay to put their dogs in cargo and ship to the UK. Mm -hmm. um, I've heard it's like upwards of like $2,500. Yeah, and so, that's what happened to Veronica, who's going to okay. be on after you. But she had to put her dog on a completely different plane, and she said it was like over 2000 Canadian, which is just ridiculous. Right. Right. I mean, <laughs> so I'm glad you know, there's another you, way. Yes. And I get it. Like, 
you'll do whatever you can to bring your dog with you, you know, especially when you're like alone half the time, you know, it's just another family member essentially. So I understand paying that much money and I would have, if this wouldn't have worked out for me. Um, so right. They, so they charge you 390 pounds. So you have to call a number that once again, they will provide on this website. Um, I used Skype. I mean, you can use anything you want. Um, that works for you, but they provide this number. You call them, you tell them, you know, I have this um, emotional support animal coming on my flight. Um, I was pre-approved. I need to give you my credit card information to get it paid. So once you pay over phone, then they will send you this certified pre-approval letter via email. Um, So then they send it to you. So that's all good and taken care of. So basically you're good with the UK once you acquire this pre-approval letter. So now, depending on what airline you fly, I always fly United. Um, I've always had a good experience with them. So I always choose to fly with them. Um, I emailed United and I said, you know, I've got this flight. Um, I would like to bring my ESA on. I'm going to London you know, they, they'll know that London requires a pre-approval letter. They're pretty like good with their information on what countries, you know, require what. So, um, immediately they said, okay, well, we need your pre-approval letter. And I said, well, here you go, bam. And they said, okay, you're good to go. You're flying into, you know, London Heathrow. We've notified London, um, that you're coming this and that. Um, and so what will happen, you know, you get done with your flight, you're, you're just got to the airport. Once you disembark from your plane, someone will be there to greet you to basically recheck your paperwork. Um, they'll sign off on it. And then all you have to do is present it to like immigration and you're good to go. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Well, you literally just summed that up so crystal clear. And I feel like that's super easy to follow for people that kind of feel in over their head because it does like for me i've just seen so much like so many different things about it mm-hmm. that it feels like it's impossible or you know some people are really hesitant to actually sign in the uk because of the controversy about this yeah and you know and i totally agree i mean going into this um i had talked to numerous amounts of people it just didn't seem possible i just you know, personally, I just really didn't want to put my dog in cargo. I, because our dog has always flown on the airplane with us. We've never had an issue. So I was like, I just got to dive deeper into this and see what I can find. Um, and at first glance, it may look a little bit overwhelming, but if you just break it down, take it step by step, it's really not any harder than it would be to bring your dog to, you know, say Germany or Austria or, you know, wherever you're going. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say the one thing that I did fail to mention is for the most part, the, the, the health certificate, basically the same as what I've seen from my experience in Sweden and my experience in Austria. The one thing that they do require is a tapeworm. I don't know. Ours was a pill. Yeah. So ours wasn't even a shot. It was just a, a pill that they gave our dog daily. Um, and she had no problems with it. The vet said, you know, it didn't, um, it, there won't be any side effects. Um, so that's the only additional thing that I needed. Okay. So rabies yeah. and everything like that would be the same. And then just the tapeworm they have to have to go into the UK. Right. And that has to be done 
within five days of travel. Okay. So, and so sorry, do they put that? Of, do they put that in the health certificate after you send it off? Right. So this is kind of. I should have back. I'll backtrack a little bit. So oh, when you do fine. this health certificate, um, you know, you you have to do things early for this pre-approval letter. And like I said, the the London government knows that you're not. It's not going to be fully filled in with signatures and dates, right? Because they have to get it pre-approved before you travel. Um, so they will accept um, a health certificate um, without tapeworm treatment on it. Um, you just have to make sure to get it done within that five days. So then when you, when you get off the airplane and present it to um, whoever's going to check your paperwork, they see that you got it done. Okay. So yeah, you can, and then you can send it off to um, APHIS, the Canadian, the CFIA, um, without it on there. They'll still endorse your health certificate without the treatment on there. Because like I said, you've got this 10 day window where you need to send it in and get it back. And it just won't be enough time to wait until you get the tapeworm to send it in to get it back. Like yeah. you just, you won't have enough time. So they will accept it, but then it's kind of your responsibility to get that taken care of. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, totally. And I, I okay. get that about the, the USDA because I feel like that's that's actually why we wound up getting the pet passport, but that is such a huge stressor because their hours are usually crazy. There's usually only like one or two per state. And so sending it off right. or getting to the office is always very stressful. So that is right. so nice that your vet was able to not put the dates on and then just add it in later. Cause I feel like that probably took a huge <laughs> relief. Yeah. Off. And I, you know, I think you just, a lot of the times when I've gone into my vet, they don't fill out a whole lot of health certificates. Like you're low, if you have a very local vet, I don't think they do a whole lot of health certificates. So I'm always kind of like right there, you know, <laughs> filling it out with him. Sometimes I've even filled out the health certificate myself and I'm like, here, you can look this over and sign off on it because I've done this 10 times, you know? Um, yeah. So, you know, it's always good to like explain it, like why you're not putting dates on it and this and that, and you're kind of in a different, you know, situation. But, um, Totally. But yeah, so, and then when I was looking into this, this is like a whole nother ball game. Um, so when I looked into this this morning, I had noticed that the USDA APHIS um, is now offering or accepting electronic signatures from your local vet. So why they're doing this is it eliminates... Um, like time and shipping costs. So what your local vet will do is they can electronically send it off to APHIS rather than you physically take it out of the vet, go to, you know, your local mail, UPS, you know, expedite it over to wherever it has to go and then they have to expedite it back. Um, so now they're kind of doing it that way. No um, way. It is about yeah. damn time they do <laughs> well, that. The problem with that is, so I'm like, at first I'm like, Hell yes. This is awesome. <laughs> this is like going to make my life so much easier. So then I get into it and basically it's putting all the responsibility on the vet. So the vet has to sign into this portal. They have to upload this document. They go in, it's an, you know, an electronic health certificate. So they fill it out, whatever, yada, yada, yada. Um, and then they will submit it. It'll go right to 
the USDA, the APHIS department. Um, and then, you know, before APHIS can fill it out, the vet also has to submit payment and they also have to submit a um, shipping label. So it's really, so if you trust your vet, I mean, go for it. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's a lot of work for them. And at the end of the day, I mean, they really have to know what they're doing um, in order to get this like properly like um processed or whatever Mm -hmm. um so it's 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 nice and it's super convenient for you but you know (laughs) are you better off just doing it the old-fashioned way like maybe (laughs) yeah (laughs) right (laughs) totally because I feel like yeah same with us like our vet just there was a time where there was a few different times where they messed it up and you know it was in the wrong colored ink or this or that happened right and so they really are not familiar with the process. And so they have to be right. super careful because especially into the UK, I feel like you would not want to run into any issues with your paperwork. So. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, yeah. So it's nice that they're doing that. You know, it's almost like vets got, they have to become a little bit more formalized with the process and all of that. So Anyways, on the website, they're like, yeah, you can do it electronically. You can still do it um, like hard copy or whatever. Um, So it's, you know, if your vet wants to do it, you know, go for it. That's awesome. But if not, you know, the the hard copy, any country will still accept. So Okay. Well, that's good. And then so, so what I got off of this city of London website was that there's certain airports that may not allow ESAs into their airports. Hmm. Uh, so off of this city of London website, I know you can find it. There's a list of airports that will accept ESAs on through certain airlines. So like London accepts ESAs with United, I think with Delta, with American Airlines. Um, there's like this whole huge list that they have. So depending on what airport you're flying into, you probably want to cross-reference that with this list on the website. Okay, that's nice that it's all on there. Yeah, there's a ton of information on this website. Um, It's only like, oh, you know, the website is, or the information on the website is not long. It's like the steps that you need and a couple other things, but it's like really important information and it's very helpful, so. Well, is there anything else that you think people should know about or do you feel like we kind of covered everything I feel like we've covered a good amount of things I'm sure there's you know there's a lot of questions that will still come up um like I said I don't know it's it's not as overwhelming as it sounds it certainly isn't if I can do it anybody can do it (laughs) yeah I mean it really just sounds like the only difference is a the tapeworm b you have to pay the fee and then Mm -hmm. c you just have to like double check with I mean, you have to double check with the airline regardless, whatever country you're going to. Right. You just, you have to get this pre-approval letter, basically. That's what it's all going to come down. Yep. And that's as easy as basically emailing all of your information to this um, Heathrow website. Okay. And so why do you think people have such a hard time with that if it's that easy? I don't understand that. I don't know (laughs) because like I said, I was very overwhelmed when we first signed with the UK and I talked to a bunch of girls saying that, 
they shipped, they flew into Paris and made a gazillion hour trip up to the UK. <laughs> and I just was like, I've got a kid, I'm pregnant, I have a dog, and I'm going to have an ornery husband. There's no way I'm driving that far. <laughs> I just can't do it. Um, so like I said, I just kind of did a little research and yeah, I don't know. I just, I found it and I said, hey, we're going to try it. And it wasn't that bad. So I'm, I'm not really sure, truthfully. So, and then a couple questions that people had that I just remembered. Um, yeah. One is, do you know if, say you are in Austria, so say I'm mm-hmm. playing from Vienna and I'm going to Chicago, can I have a layover in the London airport? With your ESA? With my ESA. So. And if you don't know, that's, that's okay. But I figured I would just like ask you because that's another thing is people try to avoid having layovers in the UK. Right. And I understand that. And my thing is, so I don't specifically know, but if I had to get a pre-approval letter to fly into the airport, I wouldn't see why it would be any different from wherever you're coming, even if it's a layover. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, double check. These people at this reception center, the Heathrow Animal Reception Center, they got back to me in a very timely manner. um, And they were all very nice. So I'm sure if someone has that question, you could email them directly. And you wouldn't so, get your answer right away. And shout out if you're listening and you have had a layover in London, yeah. please <laughs> DM me because I want to share that because I have not spoken to anyone that's done that personally, but I know a lot of people ask about that. And like right. I said, it's something that's like very highly avoided. Um, another question was quarantine. People mm-hmm. are so freaked out that their dog is going to have to be quarantined have you heard of that? Was that something you were worried about? And do you know the rules about that? Um, that was not something I was worried about. Um, like, like I said, I, once I got, once I met this worker, um, from the city of London who kind of double checked my paperwork, um, we were pretty golden. I mean, no one stopped us in the airport, um, when we had like our dog, um, you know, no one did any double takes. Like, that's so weird. There's dog walking through the airport. <laughs> and then customs, I think, as I remember, they just literally checked my paperwork and I was on my way. Um, so I would say, I mean, if I didn't have to quarantine, I wouldn't think anyone else would. Have you heard that, though? Um, You know, I've heard, yeah, but I think it's for very specific countries. Like, Australia, I know you quarantine. Um, Mm -hmm. and I believe like Hawaii, you have to quarantine, but, um, I've never experienced any of that in the EU and obviously not in the UK, um, since I've done it. So, well, that's good to know (laughs) because that that would turn me off big time if I had to leave for two weeks or something like that. Oh yeah. No way. Um, Could you imagine? (laughs) No, I couldn't. Okay. Bye-bye. I don't know you, but take my dog for two weeks and I'll see you later. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I'd God. rather give up my kids than my dog. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh my God. You can awesome. have them. <laughs> <I'm kidding. laughs> yeah, see you in two weeks, honey. <laughs> yeah. Actually, yeah. take my husband. <laughs> I was just going to say, yeah, better. Yeah, you can yeah, just keep him. I'll volunteer <laughs> him. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my right. Lord. Okay. So, <laughs> quarantine, no. Layover, right. not sure. So, if you know that, right. send us a message. Um, let's see. What else was there? Yeah, I think that was it. I think those were like the two main questions that people asked about like right. expenses. Um, but yep. it sounds like you covered that already. Um, 
yeah, this yeah. way is a lot cheaper than the other way around. So, and then obviously ESAs fly for free on, you know, on, it should be any, mm -hmm. any airline you fly with. So yeah, there's no fee associated with that, which is nice. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on and just telling all of this information. I feel like it'll be super helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And I, if anyone has any questions specifically for me, they can always get in touch. Um, you know, I'd be more than happy to help anybody out. Cause I know that expat Facebook page was, has always been like such a good resource for me. So. Oh, me too. And so what yeah. is your Instagram for people that might want to shoot you a message? Um, so it's E Valant. So it's V E L L A N C E. So it's just E Valance. Perfect. Cool. Well, thank you so much, girl. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And I hope I uh, can help a couple people out there. <laughs>
So I was like, mm, I'm going to find a different way to get to the UK because I don't want to have to go through all of that. And it costs more to fly my dog than to fly myself. So, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, also, my dog is super anxious. So I, I'd rather not put him through all of that and like put him in the crate, take him to the airport and then, and then you know, it's just uh-huh. a lot. Yeah. Um, so I did find another way to get in. So the first time we went through, I ended up driving. So if you actually enter by land is a lot easier and there's only a few requirements. So I got our old team drove me, my dog, my cat and all of our staff (laughs) from Germany to Cardiff. It was like 18 hours. It was crazy. Um, But we took the, um, the tunnel and it's it was so easy so like you go from france it's the port is calais where the the train leaves and you the, you drive your car onto the train and then the train goes into the tunnel and you came out on the other side in dover and when you come out it was super super easy basically they just uh you pull over and you they check all of your paperwork and they scan the microchips and they make sure that your PEP passport um, has, you need to have um, tapeworm to enter the UK for your dog. Okay. So the tapeworm vaccine, it's super particular and it was stressing me out because they won't accept it. It needs to be, you need to vaccinate your dog and then you have to enter between 24 hours, but not more than 120 hours after So you have vaccine. to get it right before. Yeah. Like you have to get it right before and let's say something happens and your travel gets disrupted and you're delayed. If it's over 120 hours, which what is that like five days, four days, um, they won't accept your dog. So you have to go back and get it done again. And what about so your cat? Your, your cat doesn't need it because they don't, I guess they don't, they don't get tapeworm or it okay. doesn't matter. Okay. So it needs. So when you get the tapeworm, that's one of the main things that I would say if you're going into the UK, uh, you need to make sure triple check that you have the tapeworm and that it has specific requirements. So your vet needs to know what the uh, brand is that they accept, and that you travel into the UK not earlier than 24 hours, but not after 120 hours. Wow, that is so, so they particular. Have to, they have to timestamp it in your pet passport. It's crazy. It's super intense. And so with the pet passport, I know like we just got those to spare us the the heartache of the <laughs> USDA stamp. But um, so if you get, so say if you're back in Canada and you have mm-hmm. the pet passport, can they mark it in Canada for the tapeworm? So no, nothing in your pet European PEP passport can be done outside of Europe or it's invalid. Actually, I was told by one of the vets at one of the airports in Italy, actually, that if, um, if somebody decides to be strict about it and they see that you've added anything in your PEP passport, like a vaccine, whether it be rabies, rabies super important, for example, um, and you've added that in your somebody's written that in in your pet passport even if it has a little sticker but you got it done in canada or the u.s it actually renders your pet passport invalid like it's illegal to keep it pretty much and you can get in a lot of trouble you can get fined 
Mm -hmm. So anything that is in your PEP passport should be done in Europe. And so that's like the crappy part about this tapeworm thing is that to be absolutely sure that they'll accept it, you should go to your vet and you should get them to uh, administer it and then uh, write a separate paper that has the time and date when they administered and have that little sticker on it. But you don't have to go to the, what is it in the States? It's the USDA? US? The USDA, yeah. So I'm just thinking like I have a friend who um, might be going over to the UK and I think that they got a pet passport maybe before they left. But yeah. if they go into the UK, they could just get a separate paper for the tapeworm, yeah. right? Yeah, that's what I would do. Like okay. I, I wouldn't put anything in the pet passport that hasn't been administered in the EU, just okay. to be on the safe side. But um, yeah, for the tapeworm, just make sure that the timing is correct. So between 24 and 120 hours, and that has that timestamp. Otherwise, they'll just, they won't, they'll look at it and they'll say, well, you don't have it. So they'll either like send you back or they can even actually, they can quarantine your dog. It's crazy. Wow. So, and that was one of the questions that someone asked is that, is there a quarantine period for every single dog or what determines if there's a quarantine? No. So there's actually no quarantine anymore. They've abolished that quite a long time ago. Um, So you don't have to quarantine at all. So whether you come in through land or through the cargo into the UK, you don't have to quarantine at all. As long as you have all that paperwork like filled out correctly. That's good to know. And I will say if anybody, so I actually, last year when we were flying home, we were on a flight with this older couple who are from, I guess they're Canadian, but they live in London and they had a dog and a cat. So we were waiting for our dogs to come out from the, uh, the luggage. I was talking to them and they told me, so they live in London and to avoid all of this import and flying cargo and all of that for their dog, what they do is they go home every summer to Canada from London. So flying out of the UK is super easy. It's just like any other country. It's a breeze. So you fly out and what they do is when they go back to the UK, they actually fly into Paris and then they pay for a 800 pound taxi to drive to London because it's still cheaper and less hassle than flying their dog as a car as cargo. Okay. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. So that's one of the options that when you do your research online, you'll see lots of people say just fly into Paris and drive over and take the ferry or the train, the Eurotunnel, or what we did last year, which I didn't even know it was an option. Not very many people talk about it online is that you can actually fly into Dublin. So into Ireland, Republic of Ireland, which is technically EU. And they follow EU regulations. So all you have to do is make sure that you have the tapeworm still, um, but your dog can fly in the cargo hold of your flight with you. And then you get there and all they do that's extra than any other EU country is they just do a, a quick vet check. So they'll like do a once over of your dog and make sure that the paperwork is correct. And then I think there's a fee. It's like 42 euros or something. And then off you go. Okay. So, so if you're so, if you're in Europe, that's probably the easy route. Or you could fly from US. Yeah, or even Canada. if you fly yeah. Like let's say you're flying to like Manchester, right? That's let's say you're or London. You could fly into Ireland, into Dublin, 
So you get the tapeworm, you get everything sorted out, you pay for your dog to be in the cargo hold of your own plane. Then when you land, you show them the paperwork, they do a once over of your dog. Um, you have to make sure that you fly. If you fly on a Sunday, there's no vet on site. So don't fly on a Sunday. <laughs> but um, any other day you fly in, there's a vet at the airport specifically for this and they do a once over, they check your paperwork and then off you go. So you can then um, either you rent a car and I don't know, like if your team can pick you up and uh, take the ferry over to England and then you're set. So I would recommend doing that. I feel like that's a lot easier than um, flying to Paris if you're mm -hmm. like in the northern part of the UK. I didn't realize that. I thought that when they said your dog must fly cargo, I thought that they meant that they had to be in the cargo hold of your plane. But they mean, no, no, no. Like he has to be on a cargo shipment coming from Canada separate than your flight, you know? How scary. I know. I, I, it's a lot. So a lot of, com there's a lot of companies that if people just don't want to deal with it, you can hire them and they do everything for you. That's what I found. They're like pet transport, book your flight and they charge you like it's expensive, Yeah. but they make sure that your pet is taken care of and they'll have somebody to like pick like somebody at the airport that will make sure that they get there, that they have water, that they're fine. And then they take them through all the checkpoints and then they call you and tell you, okay, like, he or she is here. They're fine. They're just going through this stage. We'll do, and they'll even, some of them will like take them to your house. Oh, and like deliver kind of like baggage. Yeah. <laughs> <things>. Yeah. <laughs> that sounded bad, but I mean, I guess it no, is I, what it is. <laughs> well, that's, that's how they treat them coming yeah. into the UK, but flying out, it's so easy. That's why I don't know. I just find it so extra. Yeah. So I don't know. It's complicated, but that's what I found. So either drive from Paris or fly into Ireland. That's what I would do. And you've flown with your dog as ESA before, right? No. Mm -mm. You haven't? Okay. No, I never got him at ESA. What about your cat? He's, well, he's a little fat now, but he's <laughs> supposed to be under eight kilos. So he's always just flown in the cabin with us and super easy. Okay. As a pet? As a pet. Yeah. Okay. I just as a rule of thumb would just say if you're traveling with a pet just try to avoid the UK just in case yeah gosh it just seems so overwhelming and like so much work to to try to get into the UK but it seems like there's ways around it to make it oh, not yeah. so stressful there are I mean yeah it it just takes a little bit of research and that's why um I would suggest just you know, speaking to a couple of people that have done it and just don't get overwhelmed when looking online because there is a lot of contradicting information on there. Mm -hmm. um, and the best thing to always do, which as I always do it anyways, I just call the airline to like quadruple check. I'm so annoying. I call them like five times. <laughs> well, and I email the airport too. So I was, I was calling the airline when we flew to Dublin I called the airline like four times to make sure that it was all right. And I was talking to them. I was like, so you're, so for sure he can be in the cargo, but I mean like the cargo of our plane, right? Like in the same plane, <laughs> like with our luggage. And they were like, yes. <laughs> I'm like, okay, can I get it in writing? So then I would email them and then they would just respond back being like, yes. And then I emailed the airport as well. Like I'm one of those people. I just don't like 
surprises when I'm traveling. Me neither. So I'm one of those people that does a ton of research and will get the information for myself. So I would say if you're unsure, just get it in writing from your airline and then reach out to the airports and get it in writing from them as well. And they'll often give you a lot of instructions. Like I found the Dublin airport actually was really helpful via email. They were emailing me. They're like, okay, just make sure that he has this and this and this. Be mindful that if you fly in on a Sunday, there's no bed on site. So he might have to be taken off site. You can't go with him. So if you can't fly in on Monday or any other day, that's better. And just be aware that there's a fee of this much, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I had it all in writing and it's just much easier. And also for peace of mind, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, could you imagine going through all that and then the dog not being able to get on? Oh, no. It's or like imagine getting all the way there and then they just say, no. Yeah. It's like, what would you do? I'm like, well, what, what do you mean? Yeah. Maybe no, absolutely not. And I bet you that's happened to someone before. A hundred percent. You should do a poll on your Instagram. Yeah. (laughs) Now I'm curious, but I've never even heard of like that you have to put your dog in like a separate cargo. I I never heard of that either. I I was shocked. And I, I thought I was understanding it incorrectly. Like, no, no, that can't be. Why would, what's the difference between them flying in the cargo hold of your plane than them flying in a cargo on a cargo flight I don't get what the difference is like they're still entering and they still have to have the exact same paperwork you know what I mean yeah it doesn't make any sense Mm-mm. so strange and so did you ask multiple people about that or was it just like one person that told you that no I asked a few people um and then I researched and then I called Heathrow and they okay. told me, yeah, you can't, you can't do it. Like, it's just not an option. No airline will do that for you. So if you have oh, a small gosh. pet, then you can take him in cabin and that's fine. Yeah. You'll have to have the tapeworm and all of that stuff. But yeah, if, if you, if you have a bigger animal, then um, try the ESA route or you're going to have to either fly to Paris and drive or Dublin and drive, which okay. is a pain. But I mean, we did, we kind of did both. Like we came in through the Eurotunnel and we came in through Dublin and it just makes your travel day a lot longer, but I think it's worth it. Mm -hmm. Just so you don't have to question and and try to Yeah, and you're there with your dog as well, you know? Yeah. I think that's scary just having to like send them off and, you know, not really know yeah, you're basically just dropping them off at the airport. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're just waiting for them to tell you that he's arrived. Like, uh, uh, it's so inhumane. I wish that they would just be better with the dogs. I read on a post that this lady had, I don't know, she had to pay extra insurance or something. And she ended up paying like $4,500. Oh, gosh. It's yeah. sickening. <laughs> but if yeah. you want to look into what I looked into, it's called the Pet Travel Scheme. That's the UK government name for import of pets. So if you just Google that, a lot of stuff will come up. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. So pet travel scheme. Mm -hmm. And do you just search that on Google or is it just pettravelscheme.com? No, no, no. It's like, it's literally the the government name that they they gave to import of animals, import and export of animals. Um, Because I guess they changed it. Because that's why, you know, so many people, even you just mentioned it about the quarantine. 
I think it was so well known that they used to quarantine every animal that was coming in, but they don't do that anymore. And since they don't do that anymore, they've come up with this different scheme, which is obviously not as strict, but it's still so strict compared to the rest of the EU. Yeah. And that so that's is what they've called it. Super good to know that they don't quarantine because I think that's a lot of people's fear is that they're going to have to leave their dog for two weeks and that's terrifying especially if you're not in your home country it's like what the heck's going on you know what I mean so I know and I you know what like having been in Austria and Germany I'm just so grateful that at least all of the stuff is in English oh yeah because imagine (laughs) imagine navigating all of these restrictions and everything's in German no I I have no idea it would have taken me I don't know weeks (laughs) like this still took me days but it would have taken me so long to just kind of navigate it and like corresponding with the airports and calling them and all of that stuff it's Mm -hmm. yeah at least it's in English I have to remind myself that things are going to go wrong and like just because you've done all the work it doesn't mean that like there might not be a miscommunication on their end as well so just trying to get through your travel day with just breathe yeah exactly just just use your dog as like emotional support i know i'm like even though you're adding extra stress to this trip <laughs> i know i know it's i find it so stressful like every time going especially putting my dog in cargo you know mm-hmm. he hates he used to love being in his crate and then ever since the first time we flew over to europe he hates it so he we stopped actually keeping his crate out in the house because and like I feel like it gives him anxiety oh. and so like just seeing him like that at the airport and then so many times you prepare you have the like fit to fly certificate and you know that they're supposed to check to make sure that they can like walk in the crate stand up turn around and walk out mm-hmm. or whatever and have enough clearance and so sometimes they do it sometimes they don't do it and like my poor dog's just got his leg tucked between his sorry his tail tucked between his legs and he's just like so stressed and oh what's the what is the fit to fly certificate it's uh basically you're supposed to get that from your vet and it's just it's for the airline and the airline honestly we've gotten it every time and they've only asked for it once over the last five years uh basically it just says that your dog is like healthy and he can be on a like he can fly okay it's like the same as like now that you're pregnant like when you get ahead in your pregnancy they might ask for your doctor's note I think it's something similar just to make Mm -hmm. sure that he's been cleared to fly and I know that in the EU pet passport there is there's a space specifically for that in the back um so you can get it filled out there when we come back yeah but before we had the EU pet passport or when we were flying from Canada to Europe, we just took our dog to the vet and then he would just type up a letter saying that he's fit to fly and then uh, just stamp it, date it, sign it. And then we always had that with us and they never asked for it. They've only asked for it one time. Okay. So that would just be like an airline requirement probably. Yeah. It's, it's an airline. Yeah. Okay. It's just airline. Yeah. And it okay. depends on who you get. So yeah. they might ask for it, they might not. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so I just had one last question. So for the pet passport, I know that you were, you actually were the one that was kind of helping me 
with that yeah. as I was looking into getting a pet passport. So now that I finally have that, and I talked about that on my little segment, but my one question was, so I have all of that stuff. I have the pet passport. I got the rabies vaccinations administered in Austria. I'm totally good to go. I should be able to fly back nice and easy. Um, and do I need a health certificate as well now to fly back or am I just good with the pet passport or should I get a health certificate just to be safe? Like you mean health certificate like to fit to fly or? Yeah, so we've always had one just, yeah, it's kind of like that, but it's the health certificate. It's basically just like different form or it's like one form with different things that say the pet was last examined by me on this date. Oh, okay. They ha- are updated on their vaccinations. These are the, you know, and so it's just like a brief thing that mm-hmm. basically says they're healthy to fly. Um, yeah. So every time we've flown back into the EU, uh, we, once we had the European pet passports for both our cat and our dog, um, we made sure that, like you said, you have to get the rabies done in the EU and stamped and signed in the pet passport. And that's valid. So when you fly back in, as long as the rabies isn't expired, you don't need any extra paperwork that states when the rabies was done because they'll be able to just look at the pet passport and they can see that it was administered in Europe. Um, The only other thing, like I was saying earlier, that I do get just in case for the airline um, is the fit to fly. Okay. But I never ask for any extra documentation talking about any vaccines or anything like that because everything's in the EU pet passport and that's Mm -hmm. all they look at. So as long as the rabies is valid and it was administered in the EU, you're good to go. Okay. Yeah, I feel like um, just airport employees need more training on this kind of thing because I feel like, you, you know, again, which I've talked about with Megan too and traveling with your dog and cargo is just you never know who you're going to get. And sometimes you get asked the same question multiple times. Like, yeah. Have they had their rabies? When did they get their rabies? And it's like you get asked that by four different people, four different stops of your trip. And I'm like, look, I've made it this far. Yeah. <laughs> Do you not and think so I did this? when they <laughs> give you a hard time at the airport that you're leaving from about the rabies, but it has nothing to do with them. Yeah. Like it literally has nothing to do with them. It's about your the import when you get to the other side. Exactly. You know what I mean? <laughs> like they, they literally have nothing to do with it, but they're like, yeah, I know. Sometimes they ask you the same questions a million times and you're just like, it's done. Yeah, it's <laughs> here fine. it is. I have copies of everything. Just please look at it. And if you're still confused, call my assistant. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> but it's like, I don't oh, want to talk anymore. <laughs> yeah. Like just yeah. call my assistant. Oh, I wish I could just say that. Just know, drop, right? my, drop the mic. Just yeah. walk away with my dog. <laughs> Like, actually, he's going to come on board with me now, so yeah. <laughs> you can so, talk to my assistant about that, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. Well, thank you for coming on, and I think that that is helpful to know that there are different ways around getting into the UK if you are not able to fly ESA, and I think, just like you said, call the airline, call the airports, double check, triple check, talk to other people, and hopefully it's as smooth and easy as possible but if not just know that you have these other options to to get in absolutely yeah no problem I mean I've gone through all kinds and the UK was by far 
the most difficult. So I'm happy to share the info that I did get from experience. So, um, but like you said, I would always, always just do your own, just circumstance and change and depending who you're talking to as well, just get it in writing, print it off, have all of your documentation ready and then, you know, Mm-hmm. fly <laughs> there's no such thing as being over prepared not in this situation case. no definitely not definitely not yeah all right well thanks girl thank you so much thank you so much for listening if you enjoyed that episode don't forget to subscribe rate and review see you next week